Senator Rand Paul has released his yearly report where he lists the absurd government programs that we waste taxpayer dollars on, literally hundreds of billions of dollars down the drain, nearly $500 billion in 2022 spent on these ridiculous programs, millions of dollars in COVID relief money, which went to, which were, which were used to buy luxury cars. A million dollars were spent. We're going to read you the list here. A million dollars. At least we're going to read you the interesting, ludicrous ones. A million dollars were spent by uh, taxpayer dollars by the government to, to run an experiment to watch, to observe drunk mice. Yes, to experiment on, to get mice drunk. $200,000 was spent on espresso machines. You cannot make this stuff up. And by the way, COVID, COVID is like almost a Ponzi scheme. COVID caused hundreds of, th- of billions of dollars to be thrown down the drain. There were literally billions and billions of dollars that were obtained through COVID programs through fraud, and they can never be recovered. Hundreds of billions of dollars where people claim that they, you know, PPP loans and EIDL loans and all these loans that, that people claim to qualify for. And what happened was in the beginning, remember, the government, they were just doling this out. I know this for a fact, that the, the, these government, the PPP and the SBA, the government uh, uh, the agencies in charge of giving out COVID money, they were told, just give out money. We just need to stimulate the economy. So Congress allocated billions, and it was like, just process the application. Don't worry about vetting everybody. Don't worry about confirming the information. Just get the money out there, never to be returned. And I don't even know if they care. Because like they were just literally looking to just somehow like pump up artificially and you know pump up the economy because of the lockdowns and because the economy was in such bad shape. Meanwhile, um, let's see. Uh, the DoD Department of Defense spent nearly two hundred thousand dollars on Starbucks espresso machines. So Senator Rand Paul says, "Quote: At least Americans can rest assured that our military personnel will be perky and energetic." even as they pour American tax dollars uh, and perhaps a few overpriced coffee grounds down the drain. I mean, so you cannot make this stuff up. They're going to be very, very perky. $200,000, a DOD explained this to me, $200,000 in Starbucks espresso machines. So they'll be perky as they're tossing our money down the drain, into the toilet, into the ocean. Uh, and the government spent, listen to this, the government spent 118 thousand dollars on a study to determine whether the super the movie villain thanos i don't know who this is but there's some marvel comic villain um, who appeared in a movie thanos and the question is could he snap his fingers while wearing the metallic infinity gauntlet so again i don't care i don't know but somehow this thanos character in 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 some movie uh wears this very thick piece of metal on his hands, and the government decided to conduct a study to see whether he could actually snap his fingers. I guess he snapped his fingers in a movie. Why does anybody care about this? And even if someone does care for some silly nonsense reason, $118,000 in tax in, in taxpayer money. We spent $475 billion in interest on the national debt, and this is the one that's most infuriating. When people say to me, oh, we could just keep borrowing $30 trillion, $31 trillion, $32 trillion, what's the big deal? Do you realize how much we're spending in interest? This is like a very large chunk of the entire federal budget. A very sizable tr- chunk of the entire federal budget is spent on interest payments, yearly interest payments, $475 billion in interest on the national debt. Do you realize how egregious that is? Uh, $1.7 billion to maintain empty 
federal buildings. $1.7 billion to maintain empty federal buildings. I, I guess a lot of these buildings are, are empty because still because of COVID. So tons of federal employees are still working from home here two and a half years later. More than $31 million of COVID funding went to buy luxury cars. And get this, $1.6 million was used by a school, by a college in Wisconsin, to upgrade turf fields. To upgrade fields, to upgrade the turf in fields because, I guess, some kind of sports fields, because the school took advantage of this rule. The rule said that a minimum of 20% of their government funding had to be used to help students, so they basically, like, had no choice. It was like a government loophole. Well, let's use $1.6 million to upgrade turf sporting fields. Um, $168 million was given to help illegals avoid deportation. We're actually paying $168 million to a foundation, the Vera Institute of Justice, or they should call it the Vera Institute of Injustice, but this this, this institution actually uh, helps assist illegals of, who deserve to be deported avoid being deported. So we're paying them. We're paying $168 million. Listen to what, what, what Rand Paul said, quote, providing hundreds of millions of your hard-earned dollars to help illegal immigrants actively skirt our immigration laws what border crisis? Obviously, that's being sarcastic. And by the way, according to this report, the federal government seems to have this inexplicable obsession with injecting animals to see what's going to happen. Literally, $3 million in grants to, to, to observe steroid-injected hamsters fight because they want to assess whether certain drugs can soothe the aggression that comes from injecting steroids in to hamsters. It literally, fiction is more, the fact is, I'm sorry, is more bizarre than any fiction. You cannot make this stuff up. $2.3 million to inject beagles with cocaine and $1.1 million to watch mice getting drunk. Like Rand Paul, he's like, listen, you want to get mice drunk? I can get you mice drunk for much cheaper, for way cheaper than $1 million. And, and, and that's the issue, by the way. It's wasteful to begin with. It's absurd that we're spending, people literally cannot afford to buy a, a dozen eggs. is like $6 a dozen because of bird flu right now, driving up the price of eggs. And we're spe- it's one thing to spend even a dollar in tax money to experiment on mice to get them drunk and see what happens. But then you're going to go and spend it, and it costs like, a thousand times more than if, like, they just paid me to do it in my basement to get mice drunk and see what'll happen. All right, in other news, three busloads of illegals were sent to Washington, D.C. by Texas Governor Abbott, and one of the, bu- one of the buses uh, of illegals was dropped off at the home of Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris. And look, what better destination than Kamala Harris she is in charge. She's literally in charge of the border. She, of course, she deals with the root problem. So she doesn't actually visit the border or actually do anything to secure the border. But she goes to Guatemala and has these meetings like once a year with the head of Guatemala and says, hey, listen, maybe we'll give you a lot of money so that you can improve the, the quality of life here so people don't come across the border to the United States as though that's ever going to happen, that they're ever going to stop. And as though Guatemalans, the, the, the government, the corrupt government there doesn't just pocket the money for themselves. But anyway, so, so she's in charge. What, what better destination than dropping them off literally at Kamala's front door? And what are these illegals saying to themselves? It's like, wow, this coming to America really is a dream come true. Be, this is the American dream. I just I, I cross the border illegally, and what do they do? They ship me right off 
to meet the vice president of the United States. <laughs> and uh, by the way, the migrants, the illegals were immediately shuffled away from Kamala's residence. She didn't even invite them. It's freezing outside. She didn't even invite them inside to warm up. And here's a quote from the media about this. Governor Abbott, because here's the thing, when Biden, when he ships these illegals off to uh Red states like, you know, Tennessee, first of all, he allows them to come into Texas, allows them to come in to Arizona and these border states, Florida, that do not want them. They, they, they don't like sanctuary policies. They, they like actually upholding the law and, and keeping illegals in Mexico where they belong. But then Biden sends them to these suburban areas, these beautiful, pristine, clean-cut communities. And what's Biden doing? Well, he's fulfilling his duty as president, as, as commander-in-chief. But when Governor Abbott does this or DeSantis does this, they get vilified, right? So here's a quote from the media, quote, Governor Abbott began sending migrants from border cities to the nation's capital in April in an effort to pressure the Biden administration to take action on immigration and border security. This practice has been widely criticized. So it gets widely criticized. Literally, we told you about how last week Biden sent buses Dozens of buses, I believe. He sent thousands of illegals to Tennessee where they are not wanted. And they're going to go and bring down the state of Tennessee. But that's not criticized. But Abbott is widely criticized um, as this monster, as this cruel, heartless person who's using the, 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 these, these illegals as pawns in this political chess game. And by the way, you know what Abbott said? He said the, it, it, it's freezing cold. He said that he's literally he, he, he's out of space because the detention centers are all maxed out thanks to Biden and, 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 and the open border policies. So Abbott's like, I have to save their lives. I have to send them somewhere else because they're literally outdoors in these freezing cold temperatures and they're in danger. So here I want to read you a quote here from the letter Abbott wrote to Biden last Tuesday. Uh, uh, quote, your policies will leave many people in the bitter, dangerous cold as a polar vortex moves, moves into Texas. Texas has become a lopsided burden caused by your open border policies. This terrible crisis for border communities in Texas is a catastrophe of your own making. The need to address this crisis is not the job of border states like Texas. Instead, the U.S. Constitution dictates it is your job, Mr. President, to defend the borders of our country, regulate our nation's immigration, and manage those who seek refuge here. Abbott also warned that the situation would only get worse because Title 42 is about to expire. Um, Homeland Security pre predicts, projects that once Title 42 elapses in a few days, uh, between 9,000 and 15,000 migrant encounters per day will take place at the border uh, once Title 42 is up. 9,000 to 15,000 encounters with illegals per day. That's the projection, I, and I have a feeling that projection is on the low side. Um, but like I said, Biden sends them to Tennessee. He is solving a humanitarian crisis. He's fulfilling his duty. But, uh, but, but when Abbott sends them to Kamala, the person who actually brought them here in the first place, he's a vicious, cruel maniac who uses these poor illegals as pawns to score political points. By the way, Biden is the one. Biden's open border policies allowing millions and millions, what, three million already and more, many more to come. In, in, in not that long that Biden's been president, and he's doing it because he wants to flood the country with these illegals because of his political agenda, to advance his political agenda. All right, by the way, you know, uh, you asked, and we are trying to deliver. I know a lot of you have wanted more shows every week, so uh, we are going to try to do shows more frequently. We're aiming for about three shows a week or like, you know, one every other day. You asked, we delivered. 
I, I don't want to guarantee it, but that is the plan. As you may have noticed, it's already been happening, so we will try our best to continue. My name, of course, is Yaakov M. Welcome to the VIN News Podcast, and we're heard on many different platforms in addition to VIN News. Uh, and, of course, many of you are hearing us on the hotline. My email address, if you'd like to get in touch, josh at vinnews.com, josh, J-O-S-H at V-I-N. N-E-W-S dot com. We read every email. We do try to respond. We very often mention your observations uh, on this show. Uh, President Biden is being sued by victims of Palestinian terror, Jewish victims, of course, of Palestinian terror, because Biden, number one, is funding Palestinian terror. Biden is a sponsor of Palestinian terror. He's a sponsor of terror. It's a state sponsor uh, of terror, Joe Biden and the Biden administration. Uh, That's not an exaggeration. That is not hyperbole. And he's breaking the law. The Taylor Force Act. Biden is literally breaking the law by and funding terror at the same time um, because he gave billions, literally billions of uh, of tax dollars to the Palestinians. And that money is directly used to fund terror attacks. Again, no hyperbole. I don't mean that in like a figurative sense. Nothing that I'm saying is like uh, it's pure fact. Is, is, is hundreds of millions and billions of dollars go from American taxpayers to the corrupt terrorist leadership of the Palestinian Authority, and that money is directly used for pay-to-slay programs, directly used to, give stipe, to pay stipends, very, very large, uh, uh, astronomically high stipends to the families of ter- to terrorists themselves if they survive the attack or to the families of terrorists. Uh, so Biden has been named as a defendant. This is a new lawsuit that has been filed um, because Biden is accused of sending billions to the PA used in a pay-to-slay program that has cost the lives of many Israeli citizens, Jews, of course, and United States citizens. This lawsuit was brought by the America First Legal Foundation. It says some of the funds sent to the PA were used for the PA Martyrs Fund, which is pay-to-slay, which, as I said, is a stipend to the families of terrorists um, and to terrorists themselves. I mean, if, 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 if somebody carries out a suicide attack, if a Palestinian carries out a suicide attack against Jews, um, their family hit, wins the lottery. Their family hits the jackpot. We'll get like millions of dollars from the Palestinian Authority. By the way, the Palestinians are like starving in the street. They, they don't have electricity. Their lives are miserable. They're unemployed. They have no money. I mean, they, they are destitute. They're, they're, they're living miserable lives. But their government gets hundreds of millions of dollars and pockets the money for themselves and then turns it over to terrorists. Not to mention the Taylor Force, even without the Taylor Force Act, by the way. I mean, you're literally funding terror. But in 2017, of course, under Trump, Congress passed the Taylor Force Act, which was supposed to prevent funding to the PA. Um, yet the, and, and Trump stopped it. Trump followed the Taylor Force Act. He followed the law. Yes. Shocking thing. And um, and Biden has uh, has ignored the law. Biden has broken the Taylor Force Act and has sent billions of dollars in aid to the Palestinians. Let me read you here a quote from the lawsuit. Quote, the defendants took power on January 20th, 2021 with a new plan. Transfer hundreds of millions of dollars from U.S. taxpayers to the P.A., Despite pay to slay and contrary to the Taylor Force Act, contrary to law, they have transferred nearly half a billion taxpayer dollars to directly benefit and subsidize the Palestinian Authority, end quote. And one survivor of an attack, Sari Singer, survived a Palestinian terror attack in 2003. That was a very, very horrific attack, killed 17, injured more than 100 people. 
Sari Singer is one of the plaintiffs, and she she says that, quote, Biden does not have my best interests or safety in mind by sending money over no accountability. It is almost 20 years later, I'm quoting this Sari Singer, and I am still dealing with the long-term effects of the attack. There is still shrapnel in me that is not operable. Not a day goes by that I'm not reminded that a simple bus ride to meet a friend for dinner turned into one of the largest bus bombings in Israel during that time. And, quote, the lawsuit says that the Biden administration has acted in an utterly lawless way. Uh, I want to mention there was a mass shooter several months ago in Indianapolis, and it turns out now it's um, it's it has surfaced that the FBI was aware of this mass shooter. This mass shooter was on the FBI's radar all the way back in 2019. And this underscore, I'll read you some details here, and it underscores... Uh, something that we've seen again and again, a, a, a consistent trend, which is that very often, not every time, but most mass shootings, the mass shooter doesn't just wake up one day with no prior uh, you know, s- signals, with no prior red flags, with, with, with no prior indications, and just wake up and snap and shoot people. Usually, in almost every scenario, he, he, they're on the radar of somebody. You know, There's a family member, a friend, a neighbor, uh, people online, as in this case on social media, who they see something, these people somehow they don't hide it, they spread it, they express their thoughts on social media or in other places. They're buying guns, hoarding guns, whatever it is. They're acting strange and it, 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 they act in a suspicious way, and people around them uh, get wind of what's going on, try to report it to the authorities, but very often the authorities are negligent or the authorities, you know, they're too busy with other things. They get caught up with other things and they don't and, and, and they simply don't uh, follow through and they don't prevent the shooting. But it was preventable. So that seems to have been the case in this situation, as I'm going to explain. So once again, you know, and, and this is so crucial, obviously, because you want to debate, uh, you know, banning assault rifles and you want to debate gun control and all of that. Uh, I think it's much more creating new laws, passing new laws is is going to do absolutely nothing. And they did, by the way, they passed a law, but it was a very weak, pitiful law you know, that, that was passed under Biden to enhance background checks or whatever, you know, the red flag laws or whatever exactly they tried to enhance. We, we told you at the time, you know, it was really just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. But you already have the laws on the books. Most of the time, they have the law, they have the pretext to be able to confiscate weapons because these people have mental health issues. These people you know, are, are very, very suspicious and, 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 and are very big, high risk to become mass shooters. So it's not about passing more laws, which the Democrats want to do. It's about enforcing the current laws. It's about improving uh, the FBI and law enforcement officials so they actually follow through instead of just getting these reports and uh, just ignoring them and just sweeping it under the rug and basically having the future mass shooter on their radar and doing nothing to stop it. That's what goes on. And, and, and part of it is maybe the FBI you know, is so busy telling Twitter and Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden laptop that they don't have time to focus on potential mass shooters. Did anyone ever think of that? The FBI has become this, you know, this, this political agency, this corrupt deep state political agency, which, which is an arm of the Democrat Party when they're supposed to be protecting American citizens. So maybe focus less on uh, censoring 
uh, political scandals that you don't that, 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 that you don't agree with and that are going to help President Trump because the, the FBI and the deep state, their leadership, there's millions, there's tens, uh, not millions, there's thousands and thousands of very respectable FBI agents out there, obviously. But I'm talking about the leadership. Leadership is so corrupt, they, they should all go. Heads, heads should roll big time in the FBI. But um, let me read you here. This was the mass shooter in a mall in Indianapolis. You may recall it. I believe it happened in July. And in 2019, and so he, you know, he carried out, he, he shot a couple of people. It was a very, very short, uh, he, you know, he got gunned down. I, I believe the story was that there was somebody with a gun, you know, which, which, which goes to show you that carrying a concealed gun can actually be the safe thing to do because it can prevent shooters. And, and, and there was just a civilian there who happened to be carrying a gun who was able to gun down this shooter. He, the shooter did uh, do damage and did murder a couple, I believe, three people, which is every life is precious. And it was obviously a big tragedy, but it could have been much, much, much worse if not for somebody who was there, just a citizen, a civilian who happened to be carrying a gun who was able to gun this person down within, a, I think, a few seconds. So here's the story. In 2019, the FBI office in Baltimore, Maryland, got an anonymous tip that somebody online with the username Greater German Reich posted a threat about wanting to learn more about mass killings and talking about how he idolized uh, mass shooters, mass murderers. The FBI traced the IP address to Indianapolis. But the problem was somehow the IP address uh, that the um, social media posting was coming from, they couldn't narrow it down to a specific person because the user, I guess he, he was sharing an apartment or sharing some kind of residence with a bunch of people, which to me, this whole story makes no sense. Because if they could just narrow it down to a, to, to, you know, to a few people, narrow it down to an address uh, where the IP address was coming from, so wouldn't that give them enough information where then they could just go and figure out, all right, which one of these people, let's say narrowed it down to 50 or 100 people living in a residence, okay, well, which one of them is the one posting this stuff? I would think it would not be that difficult. The investigation closed into this tip, closed March 2020. No additional complaints were made about that email address. But then you listen to the, the history, and this only surfaced after the fact when the FBI law enforcement, when they interviewed uh, this shooter's relatives and neighbors and friends, and they discovered all sorts of red flags. So it's amazing to me. Number one, they had a social media post where I feel like it sounds like they could have narrowed it down and figured out who was doing these posts. And very, very bizarre, frightening social media posts, as we're going to explain. And number two, this person had such a troubled life. Again, I think anybody who was spending some time, I think if law enforcement had focused, if the FBI had done their due diligence, I think they would have definitely you know, been able to identify that this person was a future mass shooter or at least a risk and should not be carrying weapons, owning weapons. Quote, the shooter's life was rife with child protective services reports, as well as bouts of homelessness as a child. From age 11, and you're going to tell me, well, listen, you know, just because he had a tough life, he was in foster care and all of that, doesn't mean he's a mass shooter. I understand. But he's posting about mass shootings online. You put all these ingredients together. I don't think too many people would object if you confiscated this person's gun. From age 11 to 18 years old, there were 12 CPS reports that Child Protective Services filed that ranged from abuse, neglect, drug use, and truancy. Uh, the shooter was in and out of foster care six times. Interview with his family members, high school friends, and a, 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 um, a former friend of his. Described somebody antisocial with a strong interest in guns and drugs. A friend told investigators that uh, she was not surprised that he carried out the shooting because he was an unhappy person. He had a fascination with Nazi Germany, firearms and drugs. He'd been abusive. He stuck a gun in her mouth during an argument. I mean, come on. 
And he said that if he ever killed himself, he would take others with him. The social media presence, um, investigators searched accounts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. The shooter widely discussed high-profile shootings, often commented that he studied mass killings. Um, he, he used Gmail accounts with names, including the Dark Will Rise and Greater German Reich. So listen to that. He had a Gmail account called Greater German Reich, and then we told you about that social media post on, I think it was Reddit or on some social media thread where he called himself Greater German Reich. So I think they could have easily put two and two together if they had just done their homework over here. Um, and he talked about his fascination with World War II and Nazi Germany. Despite that, investigators found nothing to support that he had anti-Semitic beliefs or Nazi idealizations. What? What? I mean, he's sitting here with this fascination and obsession with Nazi Germany, World War II, mass shootings, but they found no indication that he uh, idealized, idealized the Nazis. Um, they, they, they equated the shooter's fascination as more like touting knowledge on the subject of Nazi Germany than having a fascination. Give me a break. All right, Joe Biden, in the year 2022, this past year, you know how many interviews he conducted, sit-down interviews? Seven, a grand total of seven sit-down interviews. Uh, Biden, it's unbelievable. Uh, his first was the pre-Super Bowl interview. That's something that every president does. Um, that was in February. Then he waited till June. He waited four months for number two. That was an off-camera interview with the Associated Press. Whoopie doo, big deal. Following month, Biden sat down with Israeli anchor Yonit Levy of Channel 12. Then he waited till September, did an interview with uh, CBS News that aired on 60 Minutes. You remember that one? That was the one where he uh, declared that the pandemic was over in October. Biden conducted interviews with CNN's Jake Tapper, um, an MSNBC host, and um, some 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 other next stars, Rashad Hudson, whoever that is. And um, then his most recent interview, he, the, the, the last time Biden did an interview with an actual journalist was October 27th. His most recent interview was with a, an actress to, who an actress who became a daytime television talk show host. Well, that was that must have been a really difficult interview. I'm sure she asked him a lot of very tough questions. All right, according to a new report, no surprise, Nancy Pelosi is culpable for the Capitol for the breach of the Capitol on January 6th, the infamous January 6th breach of the Capitol. I mean. Is this, does anybody find this at all surprising? But there's actually a new report that the Republicans have released about Pelosi. And look, she's so, so basically Pelosi's at fault for January 6th. Trump got impeached. Trump is the one that gets all the blame, of course. This whole bogus January 6th committee, and now they've recommended criminal charges against Trump. Why? Because he asked people to, 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 to carry out a peaceful protest. He asked them to, when they when when they held the protest at the Capitol, Trump repeatedly said, "Make it peaceful, make it peaceful." And Trump called for ten thousand National Guard troops. So that's why he gets impeached. That's why he's been referred for criminal charges. And yet Nancy Pelosi, he was actually in charge. Trump was not. Trump was the president. He nothing to do with the Capitol. Okay, his, his his supporters were protesting there because they believed the election was stolen. But Pelosi's the person who's supposed to be. Securing the Capitol, she is responsible. It's unbelievable. She's the one who should be impeached. She should maybe even be put in jail. But uh, but but she puts together this January sixth committee, and they're busy investigating Trump and talking about how he what commandeered the wheel of 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 whatever vehicle he was in. Remember that where he pushed the seat according to this crazy testimony that that, that we heard. He pushed some secret, secret service agents out of, out of the way and tried to like take the wheel of the car, right? 
That's what they're busy focusing on. And yet Pelosi, who's in charge of securing the Capitol, failed egregiously, failed miserably, and gets a total pass. The January 6th committee doesn't even doesn't even investigate any of that. And hopefully Kevin McCarthy will. Hopefully the Republicans will when they take over the House. But now we know. So it's so it's Pelosi's responsibility, period. But now this new report reveals more details. She intentionally maintained a low level of security at the Capitol. So somebody let's let's do the math here. Why did she do that? Maybe perhaps she was trying to set up this insurrection. Maybe she was trying to orchestrate so that they could blame Trump and make January 6th this big uh, this big bombshell scandal as they've tried to do. Uh, House Republicans released a report last week that says uh, that, that 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 shows a lot of text messages and emails showing Nancy Pelosi's office was directly involved with the planning of security at the Capitol, the failure of security. Security officials said they had been denied again and again the resources to protect the Capitol. And the report showcased evidence that has been totally ignored by the January 6th bogus committee, concluding the Capitol was left vulnerable due to failures of Democratic leadership. Um, they, they, they were concerned about the optics, about the optics of having too strong uh, security at the Capitol in the aftermath of the BLM protests. So they didn't want to have National Guardsmen. They didn't want to have um, security officers. Um, uh, uh, they didn't want to have too strong a presence of security at the Capitol because they were worried about the optics. It, 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 it's disgraceful. But, but, but then they blame Trump. Um, all right. We have more to get to, but we'll have to leave it next time. Hopefully we'll tell you about why welfare programs in many states, being on welfare and government programs is more lucrative than actually having a regular job. And then they wonder what's wrong with our socialist society. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.